Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in the name that's above every name. We pray, O God, for all these great needs that are mentioned here tonight on this list, O God, and so many more, Lord, at home, uh, some mentioned, some unmentioned, and we just pray, Lord, tonight we thank you that you do hear every cry from every heart. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move by your mighty power. Lord, we pray for a touch in lives. We pray for a mighty deliverance for those that are uh, not saved, Lord. And, oh, Father, we're praying, Lord, that you would move amongst our unsaved loved ones. We're praying for the wind of God to blow. Oh, Jesus, we give you all the praise and the glory tonight, Lord, for who you are for what you mean to each of us. And we pray for your anointing upon your word tonight, for your help, for your strength. Lord, that you would breathe upon the pages tonight, Lord. Oh, Father, would you awaken us and stir our hearts. Lord, we pray, oh God, there be a stirring in our hearts, Lord, a, a deep stirring in our spirits, oh God. Oh, Father, we're asking, Lord, that you would undertake for us tonight, both to preach and to hear your word. Lord, may your anointing be upon us, O God. Thank you, Lord, for this, this tremendous gift on, on Sunday again, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that every penny, Lord, as it is used for the extension of your kingdom, that you'd bless it and multiply it, bless the givers as you promised you would. Oh, Father, we honor you with our first fruits. Lord, you promised us that our barns would be full. And, oh, God, would you undertake, Lord, for each an individual at this time, draw very near to them, be unto them all that they need. Oh, God, tonight, Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible tonight, uh, if you turn uh, to Luke chapter 18, and we're continuing on just on this subject of prayer that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. The first week was the essentials of prayer. And uh, I encourage, if you haven't been able to listen to some of those messages, to go back over them again, uh, to get the context of these series of messages on prayer. In the first week, we looked at the essentials of prayer, and then the next week we looked at waging a war for souls. It's all focused scripturally on what the Bible tells us we're to pray for and pray into. And so that second week was waging a war warfare for the souls of men. And then last week we looked at the supplication for saints, praying for the saints, praying for one another, and we looked at, at that. And then tonight we're going to look at prayer and the work of God, the actual work, praying for the work of God and the scriptures the, the Bible that teaches us the scriptures that point us to what we should specifically uh, pray for. And so it's important that our prayers are targeted uh, according to the word of God. I believe we have to be specific when we pray. We can generalize our prayers, uh, and that's not necessarily wrong, but I believe that we need to be specific when we pray, pray for specific things. And the Lord directs us in his word on the things that we should pray for when it's concerning the work of the Lord. And so tonight, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Luke chapter 18, we'll begin there. And uh, Luke chapter 18, just that opening verse, we've looked at it uh, just for a number of weeks. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint or become weak or weary. 
You know, there's a theme in the New Testament and the epistles and the teachings of Paul that, that runs concerning prayer. And it's important that we see that this was the theme of teaching in the New Testament church, the early church concerning prayer. The Lord himself set the example, instructed us to watch and to pray. Men are always to pray and not faint. And then as you follow us through on the epistles and the teachings of Paul and Peter, you'll find again the theme of constant prayer and being encouraged in the place of prayer. For example, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, Paul says there, pray without ceasing. He says in Romans 12 and 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In Ephesians 6 and 18, he says that we're to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In Colossians 4 and 2, Paul says again, continue in prayer. In 1 Peter 4 and 7, Peter says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And so we see that that there is a theme in the teachings to the early church that the church was to be engaged, practicing prayer on a constant basis. It's As we looked at in those first few weeks, it was vital for the church to be in a place of prayer. It's like the air that we breathe. That's how important that, that prayer is to the church. It's like our lungs need that air for that whole body to function. And so there was great emphasis on praying and being in the place of prayer and being constant in prayer and continuing in prayer and without ceasing being in prayer and watching on the prayer. So we see that that was the theme or the thrust of the teaching of the early church. They knew the importance, the Holy Spirit revealing that through those leaders of the early church the importance of a church going forward in prayer and on its knees. And as we look at these particular areas of where we're being instructed to pray, tonight in a in a sense we're looking at the work of God and the Bible tells us specifically concerning the work. Now, a lot of people have different ideas of what that work is, but the Bible's specific in what we should be praying for. And if you have your Bible there, you can turn or listen to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And the first area that we're going to look at tonight in the work of the Lord is to pray for laborers. And we find this in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35. He's looking for workers. And the Bible instructs here, the Lord tells us and teaches us that we are to to pray for laborers. And you look at the scriptures in Matthew 9.35. It says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now look, look, at, look at our example. Here is Christ and here he is in that human body, the Son of God in his earthly mission, going around cities, 
villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease that were among the people. Multitudes were were coming to the Lord because the power of, of the Holy Ghost upon this Christ was flowing from him into the broken and the maimed of this world. And friend, the world hasn't changed The world's still in need of the gospel power. The world's still a broken place, a broken world and broken lives and broken homes and broken people. And that's the power of the gospel to reach in, to change a life. And here we see that these multitudes would be coming out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they came, all different types of people, but all with great needs. We see them coming in our eyes, mind, if you like. We see, if we put it in a modern context, we see, we see the drug addict, we see the alcoholic, we see, we see the prostitute, we see the down and out, we, we see the, those with no hope, we see the maimed, we see the abused, we, we see the blind, we see the halt, we see the disabled, we see the, the demon possessed. And friends, that's the reality of the world in which we're living in, of people that are broken, that are lost, that are without hope, that are without Christ, that are crushed. We see the suicidal, we see the oppressed, we see the depressed, we see those at the edge of life, we see those that can't go on, we see those that are weak, we see those that are frail, we see those that are riddled with with all manners of disease. And here we, we note that the Lord Jesus Christ, as he looked upon the multitude, here the Bible tells us that he was moved. He was moved with compassion. There was a compassion. There is a compassion in the Lord Jesus Christ for a broken world. There's a compassion in the very heart of God for a people that are wrecked and ruined by sin and the oppression of all the satanic satanic power that's being unleashed in this hour and here we see that the Lord himself you know you love these words that he was moved that there was there was a moving in the very depths of Christ that's the very heart of almighty God he is God and here he is moved when he sees the broken and the lamed and those that are oppressed and those that are that are pushed down and pressed down by the powers of darkness. They fainted. They were scattered abroad. They were as sheep having no shepherd. They were wandering. They, they were lost in this world. And friend, we, we see and hear and read these words that he was moved with compassion upon them. And if we truly Friends, we are the representation of this Christ on this earth. This church is to be a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that he was. That is what we are to be because we have this Christ in these earthen vessels. We are to carry not very compassion because that Christ is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And so that compassion, we are to be moved with that same compassion of Christ, the very love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit is the very compassion that we are to have for a world that's all around us. And friends, we're to be moved with that compassion. It's not enough for us just to say we feel 
feel for that world, but it's supposed to move us into action for that world. It's supposed to move us out of the comfort zone. It's to, it's supposed to move us out of, as it were, just the religious activity of just church activity. It's to move us beyond the realms of the normal and uh, the normal religious life, but to move us into a place of reaching into a world that are hopeless, a world that is broken, a world that's in great need. There are people tonight, brothers and sisters, you know it and I know it, that are at the end of themselves. They cannot go on and the enemy has got a grip of their lives and they're so crushed and they're so broken and they're so pressed down and the evil one has blinded their minds that they do not believe and they're in a place of great torment and turmoil with all the demonic activity tormenting their souls because we know in these days that the devil's time is short and everything is being unleashed in this last generation against the young of our society and they have so much things that they have to deal with that we possibly didn't deal with in my generation or the generation before it. The whole internet, the whole media, everything is driven to capture those lives and to torment their minds. And when Christ seen them, you see, he was moved. The same Jesus in Matthew 9 is the same Christ tonight that is still moved. But how does he move? He moves through his body and his body is the church church of Jesus Christ that's you and that's me we're to be moved off our comfort zones we're to be moved off our of our cities we're to be moved out of the comfort zone of life to see a world that is so broken in need of this great savior when he's seen them he when they seen them he had compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd then, verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. You see, that's the harvest. When we look at this world and all that's in it, when we see the destruction, the violence, the despair, the lawlessness that is outbreaking across our world at this time, that is the harvest and Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous. And he says these words, but the laborers are the workers. And this is the Lord's work that we're going to look at praying for tonight. But the laborers, he said, are few. There is a harvest. Look what Jesus is saying. There is a harvest and the harvest is plenteous. There's an abundance in the harvest. This is a great harvest. It isn't a famine, but there is a harvest. The crop has come up. There is a harvest. There is a harvest before us in this world. And he says these words, but the laborers, the workers are few. And now we come to the focus and the point of what we're looking at tonight. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest so we see that there is a harvest that's plenteous and he calls it his harvest it's the lord's harvest it belongs to the lord himself what he's looking for then is laborers he talks of though that there is 
There is a lack of laborers, workers in the field, in the work of the Lord. What we call sometimes the work of the Lord isn't what necessarily the Bible calls the work of the Lord. But here we see it clearly that the work of the Lord is the harvest and the laborers are required to go into the harvest in order to reap that harvest. It's his harvest, but he's looking for laborers. The tragedy in this story is the multitudes are before him, and the harvest is so great, and he's so moved with compassion towards them. His desire is to reach them. His desire is to reach the community of Balanahenstead. His desire is to reach into the young and into the middle-aged and into the old. His desire is to reach into the villages and the towns that are around us. His desire is to reach into the inner city areas of our nation. That's his compassion for a world that's broken. He said that harvest is truly plenteous. There's an abundance of a harvest. But the laborers, here is a problem. He says the laborers are few. In other words, there's not enough workers to bring this harvest in. There's not enough laborers. There's not enough people that are willing to give themselves to this work, this work here that's found in the scripture. The work of bringing in the harvest of souls. There's not enough people that are coming to an altar and saying, Lord, I'm going to give myself as a reaper. I'm going to go into the harvest. I give myself to bring in souls. I'm going to be a soul winner for Jesus. I'm going to go into the harvest and I'm going to win souls for Jesus. That the gift of God is stirred within them. That the power of the Holy Ghost is upon them. And the compassion of Christ is moving through them. And the love of God for a broken world. And Jesus said, we have a problem. That's what he's saying. And that problem is that the laborers, the workers, the real workers, we're few in number to be able to go into his harvest. And yet the harvest is plenteous. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ripe. It is all around us. He's moved with compassion. And we're stressing the point. But I believe it needs to be stressed. The laborers, he said, the laborers, he said, are few. Then he directs. He directs us to pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. And it's a plenteous harvest. But he's looking and seeing that the workers for that harvest are few. And then he asks us to pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord. Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. Oh God, send laborers. Send young. Send old. Send male. Send female. Send whoever they are. But if they're available and they give themselves solely to the harvest, Lord, send them into the harvest to reap this great harvest. You know, there's a song. It's a song that I 
I really enjoy, I love and listen to from time to time. But these are the words of this, this old song. It says, There is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on his table and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass away. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. Listen to these words. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my fields. Then the second verse says this, push away from the table, look out through the window pane, just beyond the house of plenty, lies a field of golden grain, and it's ripe on the harvest, but the reapers, where are they in the house? Oh, can't the children hear the father sadly say, my house is full, my field is empty, who will go? And work for me today. It seems my children want to stay around my table. But no one wants to work my fields. No one wants to work my fields. What what a very powerful song that is. The harvest is truly plenteous. But the laborers, the workers, who wants to work in his field? Who wants to push away from the table of plenty? Who wants to push aside and go beyond the realms of that house and into the field? It's the Lord's harvest. It's the Lord's field and it's the Lord's harvest. Who will go? And the, and the, and the instruction here of the Lord is, pray ye therefore. And so church tonight, when we're coming to these subjects of prayer, specifically and pointing us to God's word, what we should pray for. I often hear people say, Teach us to pray. Well, here we're finding specifically what we're to pray for. Supplication for the saints last week. Waging a war for souls in prayer the week before. The essentials of that prayer. And tonight, praying for the work of God. What is the work? It's bringing in the harvest. It's going into the field. It's praying to the Lord. Lord, Lord, awaken laborers. Awaken men and young people. Oh God, let us not live our lives for ourselves and all the material blessings and all the abundance that we have and not go beyond the walls with what you've given us, what you've put in our hearts. The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. It's few. There's few that are willing to go into the field There's few that are willing to work while it is day. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Because there's a night coming when no man, no man can work. No one can work. Friends, this is the day. This is the day of grace, I believe. This is the day that we have an opportunity to go into the field and to reap the harvest. That field is beyond these front doors. That field is your neighbors. That field is down the road. That field is your workplace. That field is wherever you go during the day. But that field is that is a harvest that is ripe. And so he says, pray. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. That he'll send forth laborers. So I want to encourage the church here to pray. 
I want to encourage us to pray. Lord, we're going to pray for laborers. Lord, would you send them into the field? Lord, would you begin to stir hearts? Lord, would you begin to put a deep compassion in our lives for a world? Lord, would you open our eyes to the great need that there is right on our doorstep? Oh, friend, you may be thinking, well, one day if he calls me the darkest Africa, then I'll be a laborer for the Lord. And that might happen, and praise the Lord if it does. But you're a laborer right where you are. You're a laborer in this town of the Hinch. You're a laborer right in your neighborhood where you are right at this moment. And oh, friend, tonight we have a house of plenty. Lord, we have been blessed beyond measure. We have an abundance. Have we not an abundance of so many things? But yet there's a harvest and the grain is golden and it's ready. Jesus said it's plenteous. It's ready to come in. And here we find there's a problem. And the problem is that laborers are few. I want to challenge you tonight, friend, as much as we're going to pray for laborers. But are you willing tonight? Are you willing to be one of the few at least to say, I will give myself to help the reaping. I will not only say I'll do it. I will not only buy an altar and sing a song that I'll do it. But I will do it by giving my feet face to enter into the field that's around me. To believe the Lord for precious souls. To go out into the world that's all around us. To put ourselves in a place that God can use us when we push away from the table of abundance. You know, there's a harvest. There's two harvests the Bible speaks of in Revelation chapter 14. I'm going to speak about the second one first and then go back to the first one. But in Revelation at chapter 14, it speaks of two harvests. In Revelation 14 and 17, this is the second harvest. It tells us there that an angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire. And cried with a loud voice to him and the sharp sickle saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. For her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Here's a harvest. An end time harvest that's speaking of the wrath of God. God's wrath that will come and be poured out upon this earth. The wrath of God and the angels that will be used at that moment. Now we know this is speaking of the wrath of God. This harvest in Matthew 13 verse 38 Jesus said the field is the world the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one the enemy that sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels now I believe that we are approaching the end of the world as we know it the wrath of God the judgment of God is the final harvest that this world will experience that great harvest day the wrath of God 
Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's coming, friends. He's coming as the great judge. He's coming on a great white horse. He's coming and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is coming in all his wrath, but in all his glory, in all his majesty, in all his splendor. Jesus is coming as the great judge of all the earth. The wrath of God. Here we see the harvest, that second harvest in Revelation 14. Prior to that harvest, in Revelation 14 then, if you go back to the first harvest, Revelation 14 and 14, you can read it here with me tonight. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one side sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel come up out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is, what does he say? Ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth, and the earth, was reaped. Brothers and sisters, I believe that this is the gospel age. This is the reaping of the gospel age. This is the age that you and I are currently being blessed to live in. And the grace of God, we're living in 2020. There are many things that are happening in the world. There are many things that are unfolding. There's much shaking in the nations. The spirit of iniquity or the spirit of lawlessness that has already been working is now uh, working fully before our very eyes. You see it across the nations. The greatest nation in the world is a boiling pot as the spirit of lawlessness begins to rise. We see all these things that are happening right at this moment and right at this time. And in this hour, we must know this is the harvest time. This is the harvest time. This is the time for a reaping. We must believe it, friend. We must believe in this gospel age that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is compassion as he walked these, these very shores uh, 2,000 years ago. In Matthew chapter 9, and seeing multitudes, he was moved with a compassion for a lost world. Friends, that must be the compassion. If we're the body of Christ, he's the head, we're the body. And as we meet as a local assembly, we're a full representation. We should be of everything that he is. But we can't claim to be full of the Holy Ghost and have no compassion for a lost world. We can't claim to be spirit-filled and we're not willing to go beyond the doors of a building to reach a lost and a dying world. We cannot claim to be a people of great spiritual maturity and great theological knowledge, but we'll never go beyond the walls of a church building to go and tell someone about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ 
Oh, friends, we might speak in tongues. We might have the greatest praise and worship. We might have the grandest of preaching that there may be. But if that doesn't take us, those things are right. But if that doesn't take us with the power of the Holy Ghost beyond the four walls of a building, reaching down into the gutters of this life, reaching down into the dark pits of sin that we came out of to tell men there's an answer and there's a way out of all of this mess and his name is Jesus to be moved with a compassion and with tears for a world that's dying and without Christ and if Christ came tonight and that that, that angel cries in Revelation 14 and the wrath of God was to come brothers and sisters tonight forever they would be lost without Christ and without hope in a place called hell but in the grace of God and the long suffering and the mercy of our great saviour tonight we are here on this earth we've been saved by the grace of God and now there's a world around us that needs to hear the good news and friends, we must, if that, if we're claiming to be spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-believing, Bible-believing Christians, and friends, it doesn't take us, if it doesn't take us beyond the realms of just our busy lives, and our lives are busy, isn't it? We're caught up with so many things. But friends, there's this one thing. It is his business and it is his cause that we're called to. And there's a world, there's a world that needs to be reached for Jesus. The compassion of Christ must go beyond the Sunday service, must go beyond the Wednesday night, must go beyond the youth service. But that compassion, that compassion of Jesus Christ must reach into this world. We're weak, we're frail, we don't have anything, we don't have any great methods, we have no great ideas. But friends, I want to tell you we've got a, we've got one message and it's that Christ died for you and Christ loves you. And friends, we must move with that compassion. There is a reaping, there is a harvest for us to reap. There's a harvest, oh friends, we believe this here in this church. We believe there's a harvest. We're here for a harvest of souls, whether it's Ballina Hinch or whether it's Lisburn or whether it's Down Patrick or whether it's up in Kilkeel. But friends, we're here for a harvest of precious souls. And oh God, we're to pray. Lord, we are here to pray. This is our prayer. Lord, would you send the laborers into your field? Send us, Lord, into your field. Lord, we're praying tonight. Send us into your field. Send us with your heart. Send us with your compassion. Send us with the power of the Holy Ghost. Send us with the message of the cross. But, oh God, send us. Send us in. You might say tonight, well, Tim, if I had to wait on some great divine revelation, some great writing on the wall, no, friend, you just have to turn to God's word. And he has commanded us and instructed us that we're to go in to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's already put it on the wall. If you're looking at him, he's already put it down in his book. He's already given you a divine commission. Friends, we must reach into the world. This is the work of the Lord. Pray, pray to the Lord for those laborers. Oh, friend, tonight we're praying. 
for laborers. We're praying for souls. We're praying for laborers to go in and reap the harvest. I believe, friends, that we're willing to put ourselves out. You know, we, we pray often for God to fill us with the Holy Ghost. You know, I do believe that God knows the sincerity of our hearts. But friends, it's what you want that for. Why do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Why do you want the power of God on your life? Why, friends, is it that you want to operate in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Why is it you want to see miracles, signs, and wonders following them that believe? If we don't realize it, that the very heart of God is this, that he still has a great compassion for lost souls and is looking men primarily to boot themselves out into the will of God and say, Lord, here am I, use me. And go into that world faithfully and reach into that world with hands that are open and a heart that is tender to show the compassion of God. Friends, I do believe it tonight that God would not be long in filling the church of Jesus Christ with all the glory and all his power. You know, as those souls start to come through this door and they're starting to get full of the Holy Ghost and the passion that's in them. You know, when you just get saved, the passion to tell others, the passion to go all out for God, the passion to stand in streets, the passion to do outreach, the passion, friends, how it's changed, so terribly changed in these days that it's all about keeping and it's all about staying. But friends, it has to be about going and it has to be about giving. It's giving of ourselves. Oh, we don't have to go far, friend. We often think, well, that's going to be a great, a great step or a great calling in the sense of that there's going to be great lights and there's going to be a great sending off and there's going to be a great this, that and the other. But friends, it just could be down that street to your neighbor. It could just be down to a friend's house. It just could be down to making yourself available on a Saturday night outreach. Whether it's here or Lisburn or Kilkeel, down Patrick or Belfast, there's a great harvest, but there's laborers and they're few. This is the work of God. We're told to pray. We're told to pray, pray, pray for laborers. Pray for workers. Pray for people that want to give themselves. Pray for people that want to boot themselves out. Pray for people that are not in it for themselves, but they're in it for God, and they're in it to reach out into this lost world. That's what we want to do, friends, as a work collectively together, praying to reach in. If you can't go, you make sure you can encourage someone else to go. Make sure you can pray for them. Make sure you can lift them up. Make sure you can support the work that we can send and go and do. But friends, tonight... We're to pray for laborers. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The great work of the Lord. Friends, may there be a great harvest. That's what we're believing for here. We're not looking to try and put this building up behind us as a monument, but raise it up as a place and a facility that will be filled with hungry souls Altars that are full, people that are calling out to God, a place where the Holy Ghost is welcome. But not only that, a place where people go into the field, go into the field and reap this plenteous harvest. Lord, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, pray, 
Lord, we ask tonight, you're the Lord of the harvest. Send forth the laborers, the workers. Right now, Lord, for those that are in their hearts saying, I'm a worker and I'm available. Lord, use us. Use us to reach the lost, wherever it may be. Use us to reach the lost. Lord, we make ourselves available tonight simply to go into the harvest, to bring in this great harvest for the glory of Jesus. Lord, tonight we pray, give us your compassion. Move us as a church. Move us as a people. Move us, Lord, with the great love of God. And above everything we pray tonight, that your wonderful name would be glorified in this land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.